Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. today is from John chapter 21 verses 1 through 19. You can locate this text in your pew Bible on page 989. First, let us prepare our hearts to hear God's word. Dear God, thank you so much for being with us. When we read your word, we remember that your Holy Spirit is in the room and in our hearts. Help us to understand your scripture and live it out in our lives. Thank you for Easter and for the hope and encouragement your resurrection brings to us. Amen. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way, gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, 
do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said to this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. This text is not one where we encounter the angel at the empty tomb. No, this is one of the appearances where the risen Christ appears to those who love him. And my friend, Reverend Rebecca Mesma, notices that it begins in a rather understated manner. It says, after these things... These things includes both betrayal and denial by men whom Jesus loved. These things includes the agony and intended humiliation of crucifixion. These things include the trek at dawn, the word from the angels. It includes the one who was dead, now lives, and from time to time appears to those whom he loves. These are the things through which God changed everything. But after these things, of all things, Peter says, I'm going fishing. It's almost as if nothing has changed in Peter's mind. It's where his story began, and he goes back, I'm going fishing. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised because on the one hand, resur the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it happened in this world. He didn't just go to heaven. He was resurrected in this world, and it changes everything. But on the other hand, things seem so much the same. Jesus is raised, but Caesar still rules. The practice of crucifixion will continue. It is the way of empire. It is true in our time. Since we met last Easter, War in Ukraine continues. Almost daily, there are reports of storms or fires of floods that destroy communities. To say that gun violence is a daily occurrence actually understates the reality. And many of you are keenly aware that the promise of this day is not abstract, for death has come and left you heartbroken. Jesus is the risen Lord in this world, but his resurrection is a bit modest in its impact on the world. The ways of Caesar remain strong. Perhaps that's why Peter goes fishing, and it appears he's out of practice because they didn't catch anything. That is until Jesus appears to them and says, hey, throw the net on the other side of the boat, and they 
catch a boatload of fish, it's only then that they realize it's Jesus. This isn't the first time that he has appeared, and so you would think his disciples would be on the lookout, would be attentive to where they might see him again. But there's an odd circumstance in these resurrection appearances. Frequently, those who love Jesus the most, they did not recognize him right away. Mary meets him in the garden. She thinks he's the gardener until he calls her by name. Those that walk the Emmaus Road, they spent all afternoon doing Bible study with him and didn't recognize him until they sat down to eat together. And here, they don't know it's Jesus until they catch all these fish. This is important. God's work of resurrection happened in this world, which means the Spirit of Christ shows up in our lives from time to time. And yet, even for those who knew him best, it wasn't easy to spot. It's easy to miss. It's easy to be distracted. It says when they all came ashore, they counted the fish. They caught 153 fish. This detail has stumped scholars for generations, 153 fish. The risen Christ is appearing to his disciples. To know how many fish he appeared to doesn't seem to be an essential part of the story, yet John can't tell the story without this detail. So through the ages, the church has tried to figure out what does it mean they had 153 fish. St. Jerome, a theologian of the fourth century, surmised that there were 153 species of fish caught one of each, symbolizing that the church would catch all people. It's a nice thought, but he's wrong on all counts. St. Augustine took a mathematical approach. He said, if you add up all the numbers between 1 and 17, you get 153. And 17 is both 10 and 7, so it's an obvious allusion to the Ten Commandments and the seven gifts of the Spirit. Okay. He's working hard, you gotta give him that. But if that's what John intended, he buried the meaning pretty deep. You have to have a math degree. My friend Agnes Norfleet, pastor of Bryn Mawr Church in Philly, she points out something much more straightforward. Somebody had to count. Somebody had to pull those big fish from one pile and start another pile and start counting. It reminded her of David James Duncan's novel, The River Why. In that novel, um, uh, Gus Orveston, uh, a fly fisherman, he reflects on this fish fry at the beach. He says, like gamblers and baseball fans, fishermen are enamored with statistics. Even those rarefied anglers, the disciples of Jesus, couldn't resist backing up their yarn with arithmetic. Gus continues, consider the circumstances. Jesus is standing on the beach, newly risen from the dead, only the third time he has appeared to his disciples since that nightmare on Calvary, and yet someone, maybe all of them, took time to count the fish. 
Jesus has breakfast ready, and here, there they are, 14, 15, see, that one flopped back in, let's start over, 27, 28, 29. If missing the point has a defining moment, this moment when you turn from the risen Christ to count the fish may be it. I say that because there's a part of me that fears I'm that guy. The risen Christ is preparing breakfast, and he will do as he always did. He will teach us what we are for. And instead, there's some guys over there saying, you're not going to believe this. We have 153 fish. Have you ever seen that many fish? We don't need to know how many fish there are. But maybe John includes this detail as a warning, as a reminder of how easy it is to completely miss the point of the moment, to completely miss the point of the day, to completely miss the point of life. How signs of resurrection show up. They show up. And we might miss it because we're distracted. In 2009, Captain Chesley Sullenberger safely landed his plane in the Hudson River. You remember that. Rick Elias was sitting in seat 1D. Elias said as the plane glided from the sky, his mind was filled with thoughts of what he had done and what he hadn't done. He said he was sad. Sad about how often his priorities had gotten skewed. He had ranked people with less importance than they deserved. He was a businessman in his own words who sometimes placed business more important than being a man. He said he was not afraid, but he was sad because so much of his life he really hadn't paid attention to what matters. I think that's pretty common. I think for many of us, we are less afraid of dying and more afraid that we won't really live before we do. Elias said, I was given two miracles that day. The first was survival. The second was the gift to see in the future and to come back and to choose to live differently. I think that is the impact of re resurrection for you and for me right now. Yes, it means that the love of God is stronger than death. And when you die, God will hold on to you and to all that you love. Because God loves you, God simply refuses to grant death the power to pull us from God. But resurrection addresses a more current need. Jesus appears to his disciples on the beach to pull them from their distractions and to show them what this day and every day is for. That's why he sits down with Peter. Do you love me? Of course I love you, Peter says. Say it again, Jesus says. Say it again. Say it again. Jesus taught us that we exist to love God with all that we are and to love one another. That is the point of every day. 
But that love needs to be rehearsed. It needs to be practiced. Jesus knows that you and me, we need to rehearse it over and over and over and over again, or we will be distracted by the other realities of life. Several years ago, I visited Jennifer. She didn't have long to live. So she wanted to talk about what scriptures we would read in her service. She wanted to talk about what hymns we would sing. There were some things she wanted to make sure I knew about her life. She did this with gratitude and joy. But then she began to fatigue. Her illness was weighing heavy. As she began to drift off in her chair, I showed myself to the door, walked out to my car, and was surprised to hear her. Tom. I turned around. She was standing in the doorway, smiling a smile that would give light to the sun. She said, Tom, yes. Tom, I love you. Did I tell you that I love you? I love you too, Jennifer. I had taken a lot of notes on scriptures and hymns and stories, and that was all good and important and healing. But nothing was more important than the moment at the door. Death was coming soon. But God's promise is death gets one moment. It gets one moment. And God's promise is that on the other side, God will ensure that you and I live with God forever. But resurrection's call is that on this side of that one moment, you and I do not give up any moments ahead of time to the powers of death. The call of resurrection is to live every moment, and to do that, we love. I love you, she said. I love you too. Jesus said, say it again. Love needs to be rehearsed. For when we do, he shows up. Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. You know everything. Say it again, Jesus says. You understand Peter's right. Jesus does know everything. So this conversation is not because Jesus needs to know that Peter loves him. This conversation is because Peter needs to say it again and again and again. It needs to be rehearsed. Because when we share love that is ours to share, then in this beautiful and broken world, the Spirit of Christ is right there. Dr. Tom Long, he taught at Princeton Seminary in New Jersey and often worshiped at Nassau Presbyterian Church there in Princeton. He said he was attending a church night dinner and sat down next to a guy that he didn't know. They struck up a conversation. I'm over at the seminary. Oh, he works somewhere in town. And Tom said, so are you new to this church? He said, no, I've been going here all my life. He said, the truth of it is, I'm the last non-intellectual still left in this church. Tom said, my goodness, what do you mean by that? He said, well, for example, I haven't understood a sermon here in 25 years. 
Tom said, well, you might not be alone in that, um, but, but you, you, you stay, you still stay, even though you don't understand. He said, I'd never leave. Tom said, tell me. He said, well, Dr. Long, every Monday night, a group of us go to the boys' detention center. We play. Sometimes we pray. We tell those young boys that the worst thing they've done in their lives does not define who they are forever. Dr. Long, I've come to love those boys, and I want them to know it. He said, I, I don't sense Jesus is near that often. But when I do, it's almost always on Monday night with those boys. I don't know what's going to happen between now and next Easter but it'll probably be war and violence and sickness and a lack of kindness and civility. There will probably be grief, deep grief, shocking grief. And all those things can distract us. That's why we rehearse. Speak love again and again and again. Share love again and again and again. Do that. And, and when you do, you never know when the risen Christ might appear. But he will. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.